Hi, my name is Esther, pronouns she, her. And I'm Divi, pronouns she, they. And this is our podcast, Spirits Rising, where we question everything we've been taught about faith. Listen to our unfiltered discussions with awesome guests as we explore liberating spiritualities true to our experiences. Today, uh, we're here with two of our friends from the Ryerson SCM chapter, Eunice and Elliot. Um, great to have you here, and I invite you to introduce yourselves by telling us your names, pronouns, if you like, um, something that brought you joy today, and how you got involved with SCM. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Elliot. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, something that brought joy today for me was uh, work Work has been going really well and I have a new uh, piece that I wrote that will be coming up on our company's website. Um, so I guess a bit of how I came to join uh, SEM, um, it was in a pretty roundabout and accidental way. Um, I, I knew one of the supporting chaplains, Ralph Carl, um, from my undergrad at U of T through a queer and Christian group on campus. That was a really important support for me during some really difficult and formative years in my young adult life. And I've kept in touch with him since. And so last summer when, during the pandemic, I was looking to sink roots in a church community and he, he suggested that I try SCM Ryerson out. Um, and it felt a bit weird at first because I wasn't from Ryerson, <laughs> I wasn't an alumni. But they've been really cool, and uh, it's been a really awesome um, young adults Bible study experience. Um, and I'm very glad to have found uh, this community. So, um, so I just want to thank uh, the organizers for inviting uh, me here. It's my first podcast, and I'm excited to dig into Christianity a bit more. Hi, everyone. I'm Eunice. I use she/her pronouns. And something that brought me joy today, it's one of my friend's birthdays. So just like remembering why like you like like you love that friend and why that friend is so awesome, just reflecting on your friendship, that brought me joy today. And how I got into SCM was through Div, of course, because Divi and I, we love to get into like so many conversations. And of course, we're both from um, Christian backgrounds. So um, they were telling me about SEM and how they got into it. And then I was like, okay, I I'll keep an open mind. I'll come to Bible studies. And it turned out to be an awesome decision. And I really appreciate that. And thank you for having me on today to discuss further. Yay, I'm really, really excited because I have conversations with y'all literally every week. So to have it on this platform should be really cool. Um, so today we wanted to talk about an experience that most of us share, which as Eunice kind of briefly mentioned, is an experience growing up in Christianity, but not just any experience, but growing up in a Christianity that is colonized and or Americanized um, and how that may affect us as people of color. And I was hoping we could just share a few sentences of what that experience was like growing up, what kind of church background we're each from. So we kind of have like a base idea. Um, and I can, 
start. So I grew up in a Singaporean American um, church that was mostly full of Filipinos. That's kind of a short cultural idea of what church environment I grew up in. Um, and to avoid another rock, paper, scissors, I'll, I'll make Elliot tell us next. So I grew up in a church in Singapore. Uh, the closest denomination for them would be probably evangelical. Um, with very strong uh, influences from the American evangelical movement in the last century. Um, and I, I also went to a few Christian schools when I was growing up too, with some Methodists in there. Um, so yeah, that was some of my influences growing up in the church. And you yeah, so my mom is Catholic and my dad is Presbyterian. He's from Ghana and my mom is Filipino. So I grew up Catholic for the most part and I went to Catholic school, but there would also be those weekends where we'd like go to my dad's church. And I think it was like within the past decade or so that we started regularly going to my dad's church on Sunday and my mom would um, do Catholic um services on her time but yeah i don't really participate as much anymore but i like what i'm doing with scm at the moment but that's my background last but not least my co-host my beautiful amazing co-host esther what's your church cultural background uh thanks um yeah so i I grew up um, in Toronto going to a Presbyterian church, um, which was kind of like the um, the midpoint compromise between um, my dad's um, upbringing in the United Church um, and my mom's um, background in a Christian Reformed church that was and still is um, mostly Dutch Canadians. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up in this, I'm, you know, I'm quite mainline, moderately progressive, um, Presbyterian church, uh, which was, um, multicultural, but definitely European dominated. Um, so yeah, that's, that, there were a lot of interesting dynamics there, um, that, that I still find myself reflecting on. Um, yeah, I, I'm now going to an Anglican church. I, I'm kind of curious about, um, again, like talking about culturally. I don't know why this is my mind, I'm just so interested in this. Like when you say it was multicultural, but then mostly, um, I think I forgot you said like Anglo, European Canadian, I guess. What does that like look like? Like, what is what would you say is like the percentage breakdown? If you can think of like it at all, I don't know. Um, I I don't know if I could give you numbers. Um, I yeah, I would I guess probably like sixty to seventy percent of the congregation was white. Um, I guess it was a like a small congregation, 40 people. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and the people of color in the congregation were from a variety of different backgrounds. 
My church was also super small. I think my church had like 30, 40 people too. Sometimes like less than 30. Um, I find it really interesting, like my connection with Elliot in a way is, although like he grew up in Singapore, I went to a Singaporean American church in Toronto and that's really interesting. Um, and Elliot, I know like Singapore is kind of multicultural a bit, but like, was there a specific experience in your church in terms of like culture and what were the type of like people you saw there and that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a that's such a great question. Um, I think Christian Christianity in Singapore is mostly dominated by uh, Chinese people, and I'm so I'm half Chinese, and um, you you often see like um, this sort of marriage between like the elites in Singapore, who are mostly Chinese, taking up positions of power in like government, but they're also very much influenced by the evangelical churches that they attend. And it all like comes, um, it leads to sort of like leading to policy that's very conservative in society. So like uh, things like quote unquote family values, um, being enshrined in law, uh, you know, put, putting the nuclear family above like um, other forms of uh, family making um, and, and definitely, you know, being very um, suspicious or hostile towards um, queer individuals. Um, I think because that that was such a big part of my identity, the being queer part, that that is the part that I wrestle with most in my history with the Singapore church's context. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really curious about your experience with the sort of Singaporean influence, but in another country. I, I had not thought about that secondary layer where, you know, Singaporeans go overseas. <laughs> to plant their version of church. Yeah, it was very interesting. Like, honestly, I think one of the reasons why a lot of Filipinos flock to, that's kind of a bad word to use there, um, but they definitely do as with any ethnic group, like group together when you're in a foreign country, because you want a sense of like security in your identity and you want a sense of family and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think that, I actually, I was writing a paper on this, so that's all. I'm getting some of this information from, but um, the kind of like very spirit, I don't know, tell me if this is how it was in your church, but like the very spiritualness of it, like spiritual war warfare and like phrases like standing on victory ground and like there's a very real talk about like demons and fighting against them with this, with using the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, like that is very real world. And I think, um, again, this is just my personal experience, but like my mom came from a background in which like, um, you know, in the Philippines, syncretic religions are very common. So like they'll mix folklore with Catholicism. So they also do the thing where like you use the force of good, which is Jesus against some maybe like evil folklore spirits. So it's like, there's a similar cultural value there. And I think like it was similar enough to people really be able to take that on and go like run with it um, because it's felt homey, even though at the same time it was very like not, um, it wasn't the same thing at all, but yeah, it was similar in that sense. And it's the same thing, like, as you said, like, they promote the nuclear family. I've grown up hearing things like, you know, the father is like the head of the household, um, which already is go going off a specific premise of like, what an idea of that there even is a father, for example. 
um, to get even more personal, that would could be problematic in families like mine where there is no father figure. So when they would say rhetoric like that, it's like, what does that mean for us then? Like, what does that even mean, right? And then, I don't know, and how seeing how people would mend and put those together were just so interesting to me. So yeah, I don't, this is kind of jumping like deep into the topic we're talking about now. But if I could get your opinions on decolonizing Christianity, big term, like what do you think about that term? Do you think about it at all? Is it important? Like when I say that term decolonizing Christianity, what, what do you think about? Ooh, okay, decolonizing Christianity. Well, one thing I've noticed a lot when I'm like introducing my background is that I say that I lead in with the fact that both my parents' countries were colonized. And I think I do that because it's like, I wanna emphasize that, I, I don't know, I have like this weird relationship with Christianity cause, cause yeah, it's like really important to my parents' lives. But as I started like learning more and like I'm a history buff, so I, so I like started learning more history and just learning about how how wild the Catholic Church was. So obviously I couldn't reconcile it for like the longest time. But now I have to admit, I think the concept of decolonizing Christianity is still like pretty fresh to me. Like I'm still easing into it because I've only started um, like actually discussing Christianity and coming to conversations about it um, quite recently. So I am thinking about it more, but it still feels a bit like early on, but I think one thing that I'm learning as I do have more of those conversations is, um, yeah, it's important to decolonize because I know my mom is still like super religious, but also I see how like she doesn't want to question things. So I'm like, mom, you know, Christianity did this. How do you feel about that? And then like, obviously she gives an answer like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm like, okay, but this is important. But I also see how conversations like that, it's like, oh not to like make my mom a representative of all catholics or all filipino catholics but it helps me understand which areas of christianity have maybe not been um covered in depth aside from just being spiritual and practice aside from like being discussed so that helps but i think it's important to decolonize christianity because i still do see the value of christianity and how like how much my mom loves it and how important it is to communities. And I think we should look back in history and look at how colonizers have used it and reclaim it so that it's, so that it's like, it's it's better reconciled, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's how I see it. I think that's very, very good insight. And how you talk about interacting with your mom actually reminds me of, how I question things like these. And usually when you have these kind of religious disputes in your own head, they tell you like, if you want wisdom, you can go to your elders to like talk about these things. And I guess in that situation, like your mom is kind of like, ooh, this person has more experience or they like, I can ask this person. But in churches, like in our group, like you can't go and be like, oh, so like, what about decolonizing Christianity? Cause they don't have the framework for that. And in some ways they're like part of the process of they're not just, of course, I'm not trying to like villainize anybody, but they've grown up in like a certain type of Christianity and they don't have the tools or the specific exact framework that we have. And they might decolonize Christianity too in their own way and, you know, do agency in their own way, but just not in the same way that we frame it or talk about it. Um, so yeah, th that I've been really frustrating. So I kind of like 
relate to you talking about your mom because I can imagine trying to go look for wisdom from elders in my church but I wouldn't actually go to them because they wouldn't really have answers to that yeah I just want to say again yeah I feel the exact same way because obviously my parents are the ones who are telling me to hey do this it's like Lent do this but then when I have questions like yeah they're not equipped to answer because they weren't taught to actually look throughout the history and actually think about um, Christianity and practices like that. And that makes me kind of frustrated too, because I know sometimes in church, they tell the parents, it's up to the parents to like up, like bring up your children as Christians and make sure they're Christians. So sometimes I feel bad because it's like, man, I went to my parents for answers, but they couldn't give me answers. And, that, and then in turn, that made me distrustful. And then I feel bad because then I don't know how my parents feel about that, especially my mom, when like her priest is saying, it's up to the parents to like, to upbring your children as Christians and ensure they go to heaven or else you didn't do your job. Like that's so horrible to think about. I hate thinking about that. I agree. Um, and I think that also has to do with like the hierarchical relationship in church of like, and the patriarchal relationship is like, oh, again, using the father as the head, but like this person like knows things and they need to have the approval for things and this and that. Um, but I think in reality, it's more like your parents probably learn more in most cases, I hope from the previous generation and your parents give you a certain set of skills and everything they know. And then you're supposed to take that and like do more with it rather than have your cap be like your parents' knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, if I could share a thought, I just, yeah, that's something that, I, yeah, Eunice was, well, both of you were kind of getting at something that um, really um, that, you know, that I keep seeing and that actually, yeah, makes makes me kind of sad is the way that, you know, I'm colonization, I'm um, like evangelization like quite strategically tries to interrupt the transmission of culture and um, it's all about trying to replace i'm called i'm replace i'm not local culture with this kind of americanized culture american religion and and that makes it really tricky to you know honor your elders and acknowledge um how that history has affected them um that's something that that i also um struggle with in the in the different sense of you know understanding that my church my family come from this colonizing tradition um and you know how how do i find how do I find what's you know good and true within that tradition despite all of the baggage? Um, because I don't want to just disown disown it altogether. Um, so often that's how white people end up appropriating other people's cultural and spiritual traditions. <laughs> so yeah, that I yeah I I appreciate I appreciate that that we're you know process oh my gosh but can i just say when you said that's how white people end up appropriating other people oh, 
to be honest, I have never, ever framed it that way. I've never looked at it that way. All I know is I see appropriation and I see this and that. But like, I've never connected those two of like, oh, they deny their own culture in order to get rid of all the negatives that have been done in the past instead of taking responsibility for it and like shaping their own traditional cultures. And then they appropriate other people's cultures and spiritualities because they think it's like a more pure form of, you know, they're trying to get away from all the baggage, all the negative um but when it's really like it's your you gotta do the work and then you know what's also crazy that i'm just thinking about right now people of color then and women are the ones leading like decolonization and coming in trying to clean up the mess for the people who anyways i'm starting to ramble now but that was so well put esther i really like i'm happy you shared that that was really good take these things i just want to add on to what's been i guess been discussed i i really uh it really resonates and you talked about, um, I guess, having to process a lot of the norms you grew up with, uh, especially for us who I, I assume that all of us kind of grew up in the church, that like we weren't new converts. Um, I, I didn't really think about decolonization until probably the last few years when it became, I guess, more a part of our vocabulary um, or, uh, yeah. And um, I think for me, uh, I've, I've done a lot of reflecting on, I guess, what I don't want my Christianity to, to be. Um, and that's how I kind of just so-called justify staying in the church, despite all these like horrible things that have come up. Um, and it's important, I think, for all of us to think about how we can not reproduce a lot of these norms, um, you know, the things that we go after our elders for like it's very easy for us to kind of do it accidentally as well uh, for me the biggest one is the impulse to like evangelize in a very overbearing and disrespectful way um, I think like for a while I was really worried that I wasn't being Christian enough because I just didn't want to do the street evangelism that I grew up with you know like just harassing there's no better way of like word of using like harassing like people on the street to follow Jesus <laughs> um and that like and like learning that there are more faithful representations of and examples in history of what like okay evangelizing looks like um and i think like the most obvious one is kind of like living your own life and like holding high standards of yourself first before like going out and then by virtue of you like embodying like christian virtues and ideals you are sort of evangelizing right like what you believe in um yeah and, and just like maybe cutting out all the missionary stuff like that the, the white supremacy but not just white supremacy like in singapore um i'm embarrassed to say that you know my preteen years you know i had to go on this mission trip with my church literally just to paint orphanages and so you have like this dynamic between like a very rich singaporean people going out to poor southeast asian countries and again reproducing the same norms that like was passed down through the americans through the british missionaries and the colonizers and yeah stuff like that so much good stuff there like i remember when i first started being awakened to how bad um missionary work is now like we have this thing called like a mission faith pledge in the church i grew up to so you're paying to send missionaries um, from the home church in Singapore to other countries. For example, our pastor was a missionary technically, right? Cause he's not from Toronto, he's from um, Singapore. So 
we were paid like you would make a faith pledge and you everyone would stand up in church with the pledge and you were like my faith pledge and you'd read it and you wouldn't say out loud what amount you'd pledge but you'd like obviously mentally like they tell you to pray over it how much do you feel like god is telling you to give and all that stuff um and honestly again with what esther said taking the good with the bad i think there is good good in the sense of like they give you space to meditate and pray on what you want to give up and although you're not necessarily giving to something that may be like a good thing to give, like you're producing like a giving heart and that kind of thing. But when I realized how like messed up it was, and when I tell you I was giving, okay, to out myself, to be honest, I was giving like hundreds of dollars in my teenage years when I was going to high school, I would go, I, I would work so much in high school, right after school, I'd run to work, I'm working so hard. And a lot of that money would go to mission because I was so religious and so whatever. Um, Honestly, thank God though, because I never, it never made me super broke, which of course I'm a student, so I don't have to pay rent, so that's nice. Um, but like, and then the one year I realized like, yo, this is wrong. Like I actually, I felt conviction. Like I felt guilt to even give any drop of money to that. Cause I was like, whatever money I give to this, it's going to go to exactly what Elliot said, Elliot said, right? That like savior complex of people going out and doing missions. So I was like, you know what, this like starting now, I'm not giving anymore. And then of course, the leaders, they see like who's giving whatever. So they thought I was starting to backslide because I went from giving like hundreds of dollars, like most of my money to like all of a sudden nothing from me. So they thought like, oh, this is like not good. Um, they called me Marianne. Marianne's starting to backslide all this stuff. But it's like, no, I feel like my eyes have just been open. But like, how could I have been contributing this? And Elliot's same. I wanted to go on a mission trip so bad. They make it look so nice on the commercials, like go travel this and that. And oh, man, so bad. Wow. I, I remember as a teenager um, doing like youth group fundraising projects, but but that was just like, you know, coming up with nice strategies to ask the adults in the congregation for money. I, we were definitely not expected to give our own money. So I, uh, yeah, that, that really makes an impression. Um, uh, no, I, I guess I, I find it super interesting um, hearing out of the different ways that we've experienced this tradition of, or this idea of mission and what that looks like, what that means. Because um, in my church growing up, mission was um, actually almost completely conflated with aid and development work. Uh, like evangelization wasn't usually even on the agenda. Um, it was all about, you know, we are Christians, therefore we, therefore we love people and we give to the poor and et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that for me, it's been a, a different journey, um, not so much of um, like untangling the theologies of evangelizing, but um, but I'm untangling kind of the Western um, mode of aid and development and how that's problematic and colonial in its own way. It's really interesting hearing the environments, I don't know if that's the right word, but the communities you both were in about how much they pushed it to the point where it was like oh my gosh like this trip yeah i totally want to go to that like all my friends are going like totally or of course like elliot if you're sort of like oh, i don't know about this but you still go but yeah i'm like reflecting on my experience 
my church didn't I guess I'm thinking of the Catholic one it didn't really like push any missionary work or there weren't or maybe I didn't remember but there weren't any like oh sign up for like this trip or oh your children you should be thinking about like here's a like a missionary trip and do that like to do that stuff so yeah it's really interesting hearing your guys perspective about that and how much it influenced your thoughts and then it's making me wonder maybe since my church community didn't push that much and I've said this before but that environment also didn't feel too warm and welcoming so it, I guess it I always felt really distant so I'm wondering if like that also impacted why I'm not so close to church and like really into church activities and stuff like that so but really interesting insight yeah. it's interesting I'm having so memory so many like memories pop up around missions too because Esther I think um, even though your church was focusing, focus, I mean, I don't know the socioeconomic status of the people in your church, but they're focusing on aid through giving. And I think this might be a really wrong analysis, but when you come from a church where the maybe most people come from like lower class, you don't really have much to give except for your time and your words. So I think your version of evangelizing becomes, um, I can't really offer aid because I'm the one in need of aid, but I do have the word of God. Like the spirit of church is so different. It becomes like such a survival um, safety line thing. Um, and by virtue of that very passionate thing, um, like I sincerely believe a lot of people in my church who would do that, they do it because they sincerely believe like, this is something that has really like saved me in a lot of times and like this is good news and everyone needs to do exactly what I'm doing to receive this good news as well. Um, which again, it's probably because see how like you're even though you're in a different status you're inheriting the colonial mindset in a way. Um, it might be a bit harsh to put it that way. Um, but that's just how I feel about it. No, no, that's that's fair. I'm that's I've 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 had I've had a lot of conversations with people about, you know, how how do you even respond to this question that so many mostly older white people in the mainline churches have about why the young people and why people of color don't want to come to their churches. And it's very much, I think a big part of it is that of culture um, the, of that so much of what's taught about um, about generosity, um, about kind of who we are as Christians in the world comes from that sort of the assumption of privilege and having resources to uh, to help people. Um, and something that I really appreciate in what I hear about the experiences of people who grew up in immigrant churches um, or you know other churches that I'm, are primarily people of color um, is that um, that experience of mutual mutual aid, um, even if even if there also is. I all that all that stuff about evangelizing um, to unlearn. You kind of bring up an interesting point point that I'm interested to hear like Elliot and Eunice's perspective on, which is the idea of like why don't young people, why don't especially young people of color, want to um, continue going to church? 
like to share my experience, it was the, this is just like what I observed, but it's the overly critical voice of people who are supposed to be your religious leaders. So then they're kind of like painting an image of God as a critical thing. Um, I heard people describe it as homework and just like, they don't let you be part of society. Like that's how, so I think it also depends on maybe how strict a church is. Because like, I remember I used to like, my guilty pleasure was watching Vampire Diaries, but I'd have to do it in secret because that was one of the things where it's like, there's vampires in it. So you can't watch, like things like that. And right now my hair is blue. Um, I have fake tattoos, some of them real, some of them fake. And again, that's something is like, even like henna or like drawing on your, like things marking, but like they were so harsh, so critical of everything because there's a very narrow box of, things you can do for it to be godly and then everything outside of that is super detrimental. So from my personal church experience is that people didn't want to live that way. People don't want to live in a religious, like hard, um, strict, critical way. Like it's not freedom. Like that doesn't really feel free. So that's to my observations why um, the people I know didn't return, but I'm here curious to hear other people's opinions and like why you stayed. Um, I feel like, and I'm saying this as someone that's like entering like my later twenties, you know, I've spent, I spent some time like wrestling with why am I in the church? Um, I think it's really tough for young people to separate the moral hypocrisy that they see in the leaders from the theology. And it's, it's difficult not to like, I guess, conflate the two things. Um, and maybe I guess extend some compassion towards these because I want to be careful here. I'm not, I'm not justifying, I guess, the hypocrisy, but to seeing that they're very human and I guess sin very much permeates like the church. It is, it is a human institution. Um, and, and it can, I guess, serve as a pretty big barrier to people wanting to explore more or even experiment with um, better versions of Christianity. And those definitely exist, but you might have to like expend some effort to find. And a good example is like SEM. Like I would never have found SEM on my own. I wouldn't even know what to Google, right? Like, um, what do you even like? Like, what do keywords? You could, I guess, some keywords could work, but then I don't know. How do you how do you know if they're legit? Um, there are a lot of like so-called progressive churches that lack a lot of theological substance, and you don't want to go that way either. Um, yeah, so I guess it might be like a time of searching for a lot of young people and this, this might be like a universal experience where maybe young people who grew up in the church kind of have to leave it in order to find their way back and come back with like a, a renewed sense. Um, and, and then to feel like they really own it too, right? Cause it's not your parents' religion. It's not something like you grew up in. It's like you, you chose you choose to believe it, and therefore now you have a responsibility to do to do right by your beliefs. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what I'm thinking. But I'm curious to know, I guess, what Yunus is thinking, since you're like you're closer to Gen Z. <laughs> well, I think okay. So I think, in my opinion, me personally, the reason why I um one thing that you said, Elliot, really resonated was that your teenage years are a time where you're really like trying to find yourself and trying to like figure out who you are. And I think 
obviously when you're, I think the biggest thing is when it feels like you're being forced to do stuff. And obviously in the church, well, in the Catholic church, you have to fulfill sacraments. And I remember the one thing that made me so irritated was when I had to take classes for confirmation. And, um, and like with confirmation, that's also a time where I was being so critical of religion. I was like, man, like y'all really want to follow this? Like, do you even know the truth? So I was going through like one of those, like, oh my gosh, I'm enlightened. You guys are still like, so I was going through that at the time too. And, and I think, yeah, it's what someone said earlier, it felt like a chore, but also the person who was running the confirmation classes, no offense, but he was so okay i don't want i don't want to speak like really about anyone but he was just he was really trying to push that that stereotypical christian like idea where it's like if you don't do this you're gonna go to hell you need to follow the like you need to do it and then he would like show pictures of hell in like flames and stuff to try to convince us to you know once you get confirmed you gotta be a good christian and then i'm sitting in these confirmation classes and i'm like like what the heck first of all a lot of those images were from like literature not necessarily the bible so a lot of what like you're thinking about what hell is influenced by stuff like dante and like other like christian writers and you don't know that because you don't want to look into that you're only you're only like told ooh, so this is hell this is a great like scary thing i can show my kids to. okay well oh okay i'm going off but anyway but yeah essentially i think young people don't necessarily like going to church because it feels like you're forced to do stuff you're forced to wake up at 9 a.m i never had breakfast when i went to church i was always mad about that i'm always like man i'm hungry i want to sleep in and then yeah this feels like a chore my mom I'm sorry, mom, I love you, but you forced me to get confirmed when I was having doubts. I remember I was saying, mom, I don't feel comfortable about this. I'm having doubts about it. I'm not sure. And she was like, no, you need to do it. And I was like, okay. So that was another, mm. but, um, uh, but that's why I think young people don't necessarily like the church because yeah, it's old values. It feels like you're being forced into things and the community doesn't feel supportive. But another thing I wanted to say in regards to uh, race and in regards to like immigrant populated churches, I was thinking about this one incident that really made a huge impression on me. And um, it's when like over 10 years ago, my sister from Ghana, she won a green card and she was coming over to um, America. So then we set her up in Buffalo. So we were trying to get things like prepared for her. So we'd be going to Buffalo often. And of course, we usually go on the weekends. And since um, church is important to my parents, um, they wanted to find a Presbyterian church to just like go to church, be in that um, environment for Sunday morning. And totally understandable. But I remember we found one church and then we went inside and everyone was already in the service. And I remember we reached the place where people enter uh, to the main area and then and then we noticed that everybody was white. And then the people who came out to like, oh, oh, well, hello. And like, they were white too. And then I forgot exactly what was said, but essentially we ended up leaving. And then my parents, and then my dad was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go in a church where it's all white people. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, but obviously reflecting on it now, I sort of 
a sort of understand why, in a sense, he wouldn't want to be in a church with all white people because he doesn't see images of himself. Also, my dad, he's like, he's very critical about race issues and just like how white people have treated black people, of course. So, but I don't know, that's, that, um, that's, that experience really left an impact on me because it's like my dad literally refused to worship with white people. I know his reasons, but it's just, but I do understand, I think what Esther said before about a community like that not having the proper like tools and the proper resources to um, like, I guess, interact with a person of color because because essentially as much as we love to say, oh, I don't see, well, not all of us love to say that, but as much as we want to say like, oh, I don't see color, we can worship together. There are cultural aspects and racial aspects that a lot of people do take into account when they want to subscribe to a church community. So yeah, I was thinking about that as y'all were talking and making really good points. Um, in some ways, that's kind of leading into the next question I, I wanted to ask, um, which is exploring, yeah, that whole interrelation of spirituality and, and culture. Um, is I wanted to ask um, all of you and what um, what does decolonizing Christianity look like in your own in your own spiritual life, um, and what what you know what practices what sources do you find life giving? Um, like I said earlier, I'm still kind of new to actually decolonizing, so. Right now, I'm at the conversation phase where I'm talking about it with other people, especially um, other people my age who come from immigrant backgrounds and uh, stuff like that. But also what really helped me was my program, Arts and Contemporary Studies, and they really equipped me with the tools to like look back in history and really be critical of it. So I really appreciate that. In, and I feel if I were to go deeper into my quest to decolonize Christianity, I ha I know how to search it up. I think I'd start by like, of course, reading articles about people who have actually written about decolonizing Christianity and like, this is what colonization did in Christianity and this is how it's transforming and what it could be. But yeah, I think that's where I'm at right now. Um, I think for me, um i try to be more open to other ways of knowing um i i would say that this is probably like my foundational guiding principle in my faith and i've had like conversations with people in my life where it ended up in like like people were i guess pretty upset and felt that my views were heretical just because of how much i downgraded like the evangelical viewpoint um, as like the way to know Christianity. And uh, and so like me saying that, you know, evangelicals in that whole like denomination I grew up with, they're not necessarily wants a capital T truth. Um, it it sounds, I think a bit heretical to like a lot of, and a lot of those people are still in my life today because they're like family and close friends. Um, I'm not saying that like, I think all belief systems are equal, but I do think that there's so much that we can learn from other belief systems. And part of decolonization, as I understand it, is like tracing the roots of 
your beliefs and how political it was. It's not like made in a vacuum. It's not neutral. There's like power dynamics. You want to decenter. Uh, I'm forgetting my my terminology. I've been out of school a few a few years, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Um, I guess just trying to be like more humble, right? Like being and being curious too about the Bible and what a verse could could mean versus like I think this is how it's written and I'm gonna take it extremely literally. But I'm also gonna pick and choose, which is a lot of uh, Christianity. Uh, being being very confident. No, I, I definitely echo the um, the piece about I'm reinterpreting the Bible. Um, in, you know, in social historical context, I'm under you know I'm trying trying to see what we can do to you know I'm kind of strip away some of the like colonial um, theologies that have been I'm um, overlaid on um, on the Bible. Um, Their assertions. Um, oh. Yeah, the tracing tracing the roots as well. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm curious about kind of um, what what all of your experiences have been with kind of I'm exploring like specific uh, like culturally specific Christian traditions. Um, so you know something that's been really helpful for me um is you know getting into um, the medieval mis mystics and like early celtic christianity and stuff and you know learning some of some of these spiritual traditions that originated before white people invented colonialism um a lot of what elliot said really resonated i think when you were talking about specifically people thinking your beliefs were like heretical um and like capital T truth versus like little t truth and that, you know, people's beliefs aren't neutral. They're Im embedded with like power and all these things. I remember several moments of people looking at me and being like, you don't know the truth because I would, I would say things that were going against their version of what a perfect Christianity is, what the Bible says, when how they're reading the Bible isn't, one is not the only way to read the Bible, two is not historically necessarily accurate because they don't have all the information, but they're reading it the way they've been trained to read it in this Americanized, colonized way. Um, and if I try to assert, I don't think this is what that's saying, I think it's saying this, immediately shut down like you're wrong. And I, I, Esther, that's really interesting of looking into um, uh, what you said about looking into Christianity pre before colonization was a thing, because I've like for the Philippines, for example, like there is no Christianity pre-colonization because of course, like the first time Christianity was in the Philippines was through colonization through the Spanish. So whenever I start looking at traditional um, folklore and I think the word is animism and things like that, that really does, um, I don't know, there's like, a, there's like a spiritual cultural like spark in you that's like, oh my gosh, this is like my history. It's like, it's like a reconnection, it's like, this is going to sound so weird, maybe overly mystical, but it's like a love at first sight feeling. Like sometimes when you're like on a first date and you like guys click, it's like that same like feeling like it, it just feels, it feels really good. Um, and then on my other side, my dad said, I don't know much about that 
culturally. I know it's like Scottish Irish something. Um, so to look into that stuff would be kind of interesting. And I think it would be a different experience because I don't have the same connection to my paternal side as I do my um, maternal side. But I'm also curious, like if you, Eunice and Elliot have experience like looking into pre-colonial either versions of Christianity or other um, religious or spiritual aspects of your cultures. I feel like I should jump, just jump in to say that pre-colonial, I, I actually should correct what I said there uh, because oh, even the people of Northwestern Europe became Christians because of Roman colonization. But I'm talking about the, the religious um, practices, the spiritualities of a time before, before the, you know, I'm the people in um, Northwestern Europe, I'm um, the British Isles, I'm before they became colonizers. But yes, would love to hear more from all of you. So me personally, and I feel like a little bad for it, but <clears throat> I've spent like the past um, few years looking at other cultures and I'd always become so fascinated by other cultures. But to be honest, I haven't looked much into like Filipino history and Ghanaian history which again, I feel a bit bad about because like, why wouldn't I look at my own roots? Why am I so invested in other people's cultures and stuff like that? But I guess now that we're discussing decolonization, ooh, okay, I guess one thought that came to mind was that it's a bit intimidating to be honest, because that is such a huge body of information. And actually, no, I think I do know why I've been looking at other cultures, because obviously in the school system, you're only learning about European history, like Asian history, African history is like a blip and maybe not even in the curriculum at all. So I'd always have, I'd always be equipped with like, oh, I remember this aspect of European history. So I'll just like keep looking further into that. But yeah, I don't know. I think I'd have to say, to be honest, I'm a bit intimidated about how much how much history there is to look and also I guess I'm sort of apprehensive because there's also I, I think this is my ignorant belief but like the way um history is recorded I guess too because it's like if you go through 223 and me and stuff like that it's like people often say, oh, it's so much easier for white people because white people like documented everything. And it's so much harder for people of color because like, first of all, colonizers probably destroyed their birth records or like records that they kept to like completely erase that part of history. So, but that's, that's a belief I'm holding that I'm, that I need to strike down and be like, I should at least try. I shouldn't just believe that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I only know like very vaguely how, my parents' countries were colonized and about my own personal um, connection to those regions. So I'm not 100%, I don't have a clear picture on like where to look and how deep I should go and what resources I'd have to actually do that. So I, I'm gonna say I'm intimidated at this point, but I'm still open. But yeah. I, I would say I feel very similarly to Eunice here. I think Essa has identified a gap um, in my knowledge, and uh, also to be honest, I guess in my interest, um, it's it's more exciting to like I guess look to the future and or the now and like build new things with like the coolest stuff that we've just read. Um, 
versus to like go back and like wrestle with all those like thorny questions and messy histories. Um, so yeah, so thank you for that question. I'm gonna look into it. I think those are good. Oh, sorry, Esther. Uh, okay, sorry. I um, yeah, no, I just want to acknowledge that I'm yes, yes, doing that kind of work is definitely harder for people of color because of the exact issues that that Eunice named. I was gonna say like those are definitely valid thoughts, and at the same time. Um, I don't know. It, it is easy to feel guilty of like, uh, like I don't, I don't know. I, I try not to feel guilty for it of like not being able to reclaim um, certain things because it feels like an obligation to do it. But I definitely think we shouldn't feel guilty for it. Like, I'm not trying to impose. This is just my like take on it. But like I, I because I remember actually my Hawaii father telling me when I was trying to tell him about um, me learning about the Jewish population in, I think it was Ethiopia or something like that, that I was learning in school. I'm like, this is so cool, this and that. And then he was like, why don't you learn about your own history? Like, why are you looking into all these other things? And I'm like, at the moment, I was like, okay, harsh. But then it's like, we kind of do that to ourselves too. It, like as people of color, like it, you feel guilty for like going into looking into other traditions when you don't know anything about your own. But like, it's important to remember that it's not our fault that that's the case. Um, and it is like a lot of hard work and you're not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for you to do it right off the bat. And actually you researching other cultures might help you learn strategies into researching your own. Um, and the reason why I maybe was researching um, Jewish cultures in Ethiopia at the time was because there's no history of the Philippines course at the university I go to. So that's just the journey I was on and the, the journey I was going on. So um yeah, not to be like overly critical of ourselves and how much we know and just where we are, you know what I mean? So I just, I just wanted to mention that. Wow, I'd like to say I really appreciate you saying that, dude. Because yeah, it's true. It's like, oh man, why aren't I learning my own culture? But also like the way I grew up, even though like I'm, to be honest, I barely know anything about my dad's side and I'm not like culturally connected through family, through friends, anything like that. So that also makes it tough where it's like, man, you don't know anything about like your African side. And then in like the whole cultural thing of like, oh man, you're acting white and stuff like that. And it like opens the door to so many things. But, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm going to think about it as I like move on with my journey and be like, I should pay more attention, but in ways that like I can do at my pace that I feel comfortable with on myself from rambling because I do have another question I want to ask y'all but like even that topic of whiteness and I'm like oh you're acting white like for me too like being half white I, I notice people they'll use it depending on what suits them in the moment so they're either call up my, call out my pinoyness my Filipino-ness uh if it's convenient for the joke at hand or whatever they're talking about or they'll call up my white side and be like you're acting white depending on um, what the situation is and you can feel very like it's out of your control everyone's commenting on your race and on your identity um, for their own benefit and how they perceive you rather than you being able to call out like and say assert for yourself like, what it is we kind of covered a bit um, I know Elliot mentioned ideas of like how a family structure should look um, and I think you should mention queerness a little bit like how certain churches are against that but we in our newfound faith or in how we see religious now we would we would we're affirming, SEM is queer affirming and Christian. Um, 
So either expanding on those two things or adding on to them, how do you think you see Christianity differently than your experience growing up? Um, I think for me, Christianity feels a lot less stressful in one really big way. Um, I'm much less concerned with being right. Um, during my late teens, I think even through like maybe second year university, I was really invested in Christian apologetics. Like I read all the books. Uh, I watched all the YouTube videos with debates between apologists like William Lane Craig going after the new atheists or uh, other religions. And like, just like memorizing all these arguments and like trying to be like, oh, is it like soundproof? Um, you know, going to like the Ravi Zacharias, like meetings on campus, like, oh yeah, it's super problematic now. <laughs> Looking back, there were a lot of red flags. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like being like, just, I, I guess being really uh, concerned that if I didn't have an airtight answer to like Christianity, then I didn't have a basis for believing in it and that I would have to be an atheist. Um, and then I don't know what happened, but like, it was kind of like overnight, I just lost interest in all that. And I just knew in my heart, it was getting a little sappy that Christianity is it for me. And my priorities going forward are how I can, I guess, work as a person to exemplify those values that I admire. And, and taking, I guess, like a, a book like James really seriously. Um, if you don't know, I, for any, anyone who's listening doesn't know, because I haven't read all the books in the Bible. I've only let, read James like three times. Uh, James like really goes after uh, the church for um, needing to provide for the poor and the marginalized. And there's this like huge ethical demand on us. And so that that is where I'm at in my um, Christianity today, which is like a different kind of stress, but I feel like a very, a much more productive stress and, and in the right direction, right? Not like wasting time debating all these like esoteric and frankly kind of pointless <laughs> topics. It's about what you do in life. If I can just comment on that. <laughs> um, I also feel like that Christianity of like, it has to be logically sound correct. That is also like the colonizers Christianity because like they, come in declaring Christianity and imposing on others based on the idea that this is the right only thing and it is right because XYZ and demonizing everything else. So like I've been there before, I used to watch those videos too and like get so emotional and passionate over like the debates. And now I'm at a place where like, if people are like religious debate, I'm like, how do you even debate over a religion? Like that's not really the nature of like spirituality and what religion is supposed to be is like, sound correctness like if you're going that direction in my personal opinion you're, you're like kind of missing the point I guess uh I think in my experience like what I said before was mostly just it's not that my mom would force me but she'd be like oh we're going to church and then I'd be like uh and then she'd be like oh you, what you say and it'd be sort of like a guilt thing so I just go but I think what I'm really, really grateful for and what I really appreciate from my parents was that at some point they just stopped like doing that. Like they stopped being like, okay, well, let's go to church. Like we're gonna go to church. So they stopped like pushing that on me. And I feel like, um, yeah, within the last decade or so, I did have the space to like 
branch out and like learn more and um, sort of make my own thoughts. And then um, now, of course, like I said, I'm sort of um, being more open to revisiting Christianity and it's helped actually so much because again, I'm not being forced into it. And no worries, Elliot, to be completely honest, I have not read the Bible in full at all. Obviously I'd like hear stories as I was growing up and maybe like we read little bits of the Bible, but like, I like literally every time we go into Bible study, whenever someone's like, oh, let's let's do this story. I remember I grew up with it and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know this story. Like maybe I vaguely know it, but I don't like I wouldn't even know what verse to look up. So sometimes I'm like, what verse is it? <laughs> but um, but that's something I also I, I really appreciate. And it, it, at this stage in my life where maybe there is something beneficial about me not having read the Bible in full as a kid or maybe not having it pounded into me so then I didn't have like um yeah like a certain story it's pounded into me and I think of it a certain way because I was based on the way it was taught to me but now that I'm revisiting Christianity and I'm doing SCM Bible studies and I'm coming in with my own mind and my own thoughts and um with the um openness to learn more I feel like I feel like I like I really love that I can that I was afforded the place to do that, to look at the Bible almost with a set of fresh new eyes and hear so many different perspectives from my peers and trying to move on with Christianity in a way where I can reconcile with it and that I can feel comfortable with it and grow with it as, a, as opposed to like as a kid where everyone's telling you to, okay, this is Christianity, this is what we do, this is how we're gonna do it. It's like, no, I'm an adult now, my parents don't nag me no more and I can move forward on my terms, so yeah. I really like that on my terms part. <laughs> yeah. if, if I were to try to summarize really briefly how my Christianity now is different from my Christianity when I was growing up, it would be that I, um, that I, I let go of the desire for certainty um, that, you know, like, like Elliot was saying for a while, I was really interested, you know, absorbed in apologetics and, you know, how do I know that there's a God? How can I call myself a Christian if I'm not absolutely certain that God is real and that I know what God is like? Um, and, and now not knowing is fine. And I expect that I am going to keep on that that my beliefs and my spirituality are going to keep on changing for the rest of my life based on what I learned from other people. Um, and and that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. Um, any last thoughts, last questions before we wrap? I just want to say that I really enjoyed this podcast episode because it's just like how I enjoy Bible studies. It's like we could. I just want to say that I really enjoyed this podcast episode because it's just like how I enjoy Bible studies. It's like we could just, to just like have fun, chill, talk, be open about our thoughts. And these aren't conversations you'd have on every day. So it's good to like set aside the time and be like, hmm, let's, let's think about this. 
Um, so I, yeah, I just really ap appreciate that y'all said yes to doing the podcast and being so open with your thoughts. It was just, it was really good. I liked it. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, Esther and Divi, for providing the space and inviting me to talk about things. Because, yeah, admittedly, I do think deeper about things when I actually say it out loud. And I'm like, oh, did I say that? Oh, I should, I should unpack that. But I really appreciate spaces and conversations like this. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you both as well. Um, very similar to how the SCM Bible studies go, we, we often find ourselves in, like, really interesting big picture questions um, that get glossed over I guess in like the day-to-day -day business of being a person or a Christian uh, yeah and I look forward to following you on this podcast journey thank you for listening to this episode of spirits rising you can watch us on YouTube or listen to us at anchor.fm Spotify Google podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts our thanks to the Student Christian Movement for supporting this project, and especially to the SCM York Chapter's partnership with St. Theodore of Canterbury Anglican Church and the Diocese of Toronto's REACH grant.